500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Build Penny Toyota during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May 31st. That means mega deals on your favorite Toyota models from Alabama's number one volume Toyota dealer. And don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. Plus, enjoy the rest of our awesome Penny perks. Visit BuildPennyToyota.com during Mega Memorial Month. Number one based on 2018 total new Toyota retail sales in Alabama for Southeast Toyota distributors. Warranty valid through 10th year of ownership on new vehicles only. See dealer for details. Shut up and sit down. by saying that I took my mother to see Captain America Winter Soldier today. <laughs> that was a good time. Because not only was Chris Evans looking particularly fine. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, my God. Could he have looked any better in that movie? Really? Wow. <clears throat> Anyways, before the movie started, and we're watching the previews, and the previews are pretty cool. And, um... There's this man about two rows down and on my left, about four seats over, just talking, 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 talking. And he keeps talking. And we see the little Marvel display. You know, when you go to the Marvel movies, there's like a little comic book splash and it has Marvel, right? And so that happens, and he's still talking. And my mom says really, really loud, would you please shut the fuck up? And got a small round of applause from everybody else around her, and then we got onto the movie, and it was great. But, um, yeah, that's that's my mom. Um, (laughs) After the movie was over and the lights came up and we'd watch the extra stuff. So when you go see Captain America, make sure you do stay all the way to the very end past the written credits because there's an extra scene in the middle of the credits and then there's a scene after the credits. So stay for both. We stay for both. The dude stands up, jerks around, and demands to know which one of us has said this to him. And my husband who went with us said, "Um, that would be my mother-in-law. Do you have a problem with that? And dude said, no, man, no. I was out of line. And immediately left. And that was our day. That was our day. Um, <clears throat> we didn't do anything else. The dogs are in the house, so I may have to take a little break in about 45 minutes to an hour and let them out. Who knows? <clears throat> sometimes they enjoy being in the house with me, and sometimes they don't. And uh, there we go. So. Anyways, tonight's show is about Harry Potter. Um, it's not my first fandom, but it's certainly one of my favorite fandoms. I read the books. I read a lot of the fan fiction. I've never watched the movies. I, I watch 
some scenes on YouTube. I saw the first 30 minutes of the first one, and it pissed me off about how much was cut out. And I got so irritated that I, that I had to turn it off because I'm a reader, and when you're a reader first, and I'm a reader first in every instance, and when you're a reader first and someone does something to something you really enjoy that you don't appreciate, it's hard for you to appreciate any of it. So I've never watched a full Harry Potter movie. I probably never will, unless I watch them one night just to bitch about them while I'm on the phone with you. That that might be okay on the phone. Um, I am calling in to um, the blog talk thing on the phone, so it's kind of like I'm having a conversation with all of you at once. It's kind of weird. I... Uh, <clears throat> I'm doing a Harry Potter story for Rough Trade. I'm doing book two of my War Mages series. Azure Heart is having problems with the player. Is anyone else having problems with the player? You can let her know in the chat. Anyways, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm doing my War Mages thing, and I talked to Lady Holder about this, and I almost came on the air just to bitch about this. I really did just almost did it. It's on um, the second, but I didn't. Okay, so here's the thing. I am naturally a plotter, and there are basically two kinds of writers and some writers that fall in between. Um, there are plotters and there are pantsers, and I am a plotter. I plot, 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 plot. I plot. Sometimes I plot three or four times. Um, when it comes to fan fiction... I tend to do um, a, an, a broad outline of, of, of what I want to do with a project. Um, if so, just to get the idea, so I can go to where I want to go. Hey, halftime! If you're hearing music, it could be because you're playing it in two different windows. I did that once. Just to let you know, um, when I talk to people in the chat room, it's kind of a disservice to the people who are listening on the podcast, so I apologize to that, because um, you're not seeing the activity in the chat room, and so that's kind of weird, right? Um, one of the chatters was, was talking about hearing my music again, um, and I, he probably had two, he or she probably had two browsers on. I never know if people are male or female. Honestly, don't give a shit. Um, I don't know why I said he, maybe because football, halftime, you know, I don't know. He, she, alien, who knows. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always a thing. So I've plotted out my book two um, of, uh, of my War Mages. It's just called Those Magic Changes. And, uh, and halftime is a she. It's been confirmed in the chat room. She I totally get it. Uh, I um, <clears throat> sorry, I got a private message and it threw me off my game a little. Okay, so I uh, I, I plotted, I plotted the fuck out of those magic changes. I plotted myself into a creative black hole, and this happens sometimes with plotters, and it, I think. It's a problem. I hate my plot. I hate it. So I stopped looking at my plot. I put the the book down, and it's um, in the other room. It's not even in the same room where I'm writing. 
And um, <clears throat> so what I've actually written so far for Rough Trade is not in any way what I plotted. So I'm kind of pantsing this, and I'm not comfortable. So I'm trying to do a little bit of an outline so I can catch back up through my process because I'm not comfortable as a pantser. Um, it, it, it doesn't work out for me. I get really irritated uh, with uh, not having a goal for my scenes or a goal for my chapter. And so I'm going to do some, some outlining and, and a little bit of replotting there. Um, but I did, and when you're, when you're a plotter, there are times when you do kind of plot yourself into a hole, and it's hard to see, it's hard to get out of it once you do it with a project because you lose interest in the project. It stops being interesting because you already know to a stupid degree what's going to happen, so you've already told yourself the story, and it gets boring, and, and then you don't want to tell it. And I don't normally have this problem, but when it happens, it's always a bitch. It, it's really irritating. Like, I've been plotting since I was a very young writer, so like I said, it doesn't normally happen to me. I know when to stop. And the problem, I think, became is because we were getting ready to do um, rough trade for April, and I got everybody squared away. And in, and while I was doing that, I was also plotting my stuff, and I kept replotting and plotting because I couldn't actually start writing. And normally, when I finish a plot, I set it aside, I come back to it the next day, and I start. But I couldn't do that with Warm Ages because then it went up. I would have been cheating on the challenge. So I kept going back and replotting and replotting and adding stuff and taking stuff out and moving things around until the point where I basically ruined the story for myself. So, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so the first time I read Harry Potter, I read it because my nephew had read it and wanted me to read it with him. And we usually pick out a couple books a year that we read together, and he had read Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. No, he'd read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's Stone, as it is known. Um, in the U.S., and um, he wanted me to read it, so I sat down and I read it, and uh, that this was actually, there were six, oh no, no, there weren't that many, because he was small, he was very small, um, Uh, this is my oldest nephew, not my um, Padawan, but my oldest nephew. And uh, I forget how old he was. Anyway, we read uh, the first couple of Harry Potter books together, and then he got older and grew out of Harry Potter. I didn't grow out of Harry Potter. I uh, actually stood in line the night Deathly Hallows came out. I I pre-bought, I pre-purchased the Deathly Hallows. I go down to the bookstore, I wait in line with a bunch of other adults and kids, and I wasn't even remotely ashamed of myself, right? So <clears throat> I'm in line, I took the day off the next day, right? So I bring home Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, I sit down, I have my snacks, I read the whole thing. My husband goes to bed. He gets up the next day for work. I have finished the book. <clears throat> I cannot fucking tell you how disappointed I was. I knew going into the book 
that it wasn't going to work out the way I wanted it to work. I knew it, but I was hoping I was hoping to be surprised i was I was hoping to be wrong. I was hoping that Ron would die in the final battle. I hoped it right up into the part where she killed Fred instead, which is just oh, oh, if a wheezy had to die, why couldn't it have been Ron? I'm gonna tell you right now though. This is terrible, but I was more upset by Hedwig's death in Harry in the Deathly Hallows than I was any other character. <clears throat> I could not believe she killed his owl. It was oh, I was infuriated. Oh, there was just no point. It was just sadistic. It was author sadism. That's all that was. Because yes, let's kill everything Harry Potter loves, but let's give him nothing. He deserves nothing. Anyways, so that's what. But okay, so I read um, the Sorcerer's Stone, then I read the Chamber of Secrets, and around the time we got to the Prisoner of Azkaban, or ever how you say that, like I said, I've never seen the movies, so I'll probably pronounce things differently than they did in the movies because I've never actually watched them. Um, and we meet Sirius, and I was, it was going to be. It, oh, it was awesome, and Hermione and Harry had all these great scenes, and I thought, oh, finally he's going to get his head out of his ass and see how awesome she is, and then, no. No. No, he never did. He never got his head out of his ass. So, it's infuriating. <clears throat> and we get into book four, and Ron is an asshole again. Again, because he can't help himself but be a fucking asshole. And then Harry takes him back because Harry's a masochist and not the fun kind. He's not the fun kind of masochist. He's that masochist kind that ends up in a mental institution. Mm. We get to book five. And of course, you know what she does in book five. She kills Sirius because, God forbid, Harry Potter have anybody, any adult in the series who's actually on his side. No. No. In book six, book six, Hermione turned into this pod person. I don't even know who that was. That wasn't Hermione. That was like a Death Eater using Polyjuice that, that whole year. I don't know where Hermione was at the time, but she wasn't at Hogwarts because, Hello? No, that just that just was not Hermione. So we get into book seven, and we spend all those months in the tent. Ron fails on Harry again because he's incapable of loyalty. Um, he <clears throat> and what happens when he comes back? Harry takes him back. Because he always does. He's incapable of, of, I don't know. That's why when I write Harry, there's an unforgiving edge to him. Because I don't forgive Ron. <laughs> and so when I write Harry, when Ron fucks up, Harry doesn't forgive him either. Because I don't. I don't forgive Ron. I haven't forgiven Ron for the tournament, okay? 
I just haven't. I'm not gonna. Ever. Barbara in the chat room says that Harry wasn't a masochist, that he was a martyr. He was definitely a martyr. And actually, you know, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Harry's story in the last chapter or two bears a striking resemblance to a great many religious myths. A martyr death and a resurrection. <laughs> it's an old theme, right? It's um it's a very old and traditional theme, so it makes sense to reuse it in this way. It was there there came a point when I was reading Harry Potter when I came to believe that the author actually hated him. I think that I don't know that she actually originally planned to write seven books. I know she might say she does she does now. That was always her plan. I'm not sure if I believe it. I think if she had to do over again, Hogwarts might have just been five years instead of seven. <laughs> I don't know. She she earned a lot of money, right? Um, but you just, it didn't surprise me at all when it came out that she considered killing Harry in book five and making Neville the boy who lived making the prophecy really about Neville. Um, That didn't surprise me at all, because around book five, I got the impression that she didn't like Harry. And um, she would have been perfectly okay with him you know, rocks falling and him dying. But whatever. Let's talk about pairings. I like Harry Hermione, obviously. I like Harry Draco, obviously. I actually enjoy reading um, Harry Neville. There isn't a lot of it um, that I could find. Maybe, maybe there was in the heyday. I don't like Harry Luna, sorry. Um, I, I love Luna. I don't like her with Ron. I prefer Neville Luna. I really do. Um I think Luna needs uh, someone who's steady and stable and um, in touch with themselves. And I, I don't think Luna might be good for Harry. I don't know that Harry is good for Luna. I think that she's not. I think that Harry has too many issues, really to be a good partner for Luna. But that's just my personal opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own ship. No problem with that. I uh, I do like Harry, Hermione. Um, I don't read the dark stuff in Harry Potter. I don't read Voldemort. 
and and Harry. Um, that creeps me out. I'm sorry if you write it or if you enjoy it and you think I've insulted you. I don't mean to. I just think it's creepy. I I like a dark Harry as long as he's not a Death Eater. Um, I see no situation where Canon Harry or Harry in any situation where Voldemort kills Lillian James, I don't believe that Harry would end up a Death Eater. Because how do you follow the man that murdered your parents? And the only reason he would have murdered Harry's parents is to get to Harry. So why would Harry follow a man who's trying to kill him? I just don't see it. If you hear little weird sounds, it's because I'm eating chocolate-covered raisins, and I'll um, tell you why. I have diabetes, and um, my sugar dropped a little bit before I came on the air, and I didn't want to postpone, so I'm having a little uh, pick-me-up so that I don't um, start to slur my words and get weird on you. I uh, <clears throat> So there's that. So if you uh, notice any chewing, that's me having a little bit of a snack so my sugar doesn't go into the basement and I end up unconscious or some shit like that, you know. Yes, I have my inhaler. Somebody asked in the chat room. I'm not actually having any breathing problems this evening. I don't like to discuss my health issues. <sighs> Whenever I see somebody online, and I don't mean bitching because you got a cold or the flu. Everybody does that because you're, you're miserable and you want to share it. Because whenever I get a cold, it fucking pisses me off, you know. And I have to tell everybody I'm fucking pissed off because I got a head cold again. I got the flu. I haven't got the flu since I second the flu shot, but that's another sign. Um, it's bullshit. I hate getting a cold. I'll keep one for the rest of the year. I don't I have a problem with that. But when you have chronic health issues, and that's all you talk about online, um, I get really uncomfortable with that. I don't like to hear about it. I don't, and maybe it's because I have chronic health issues that I don't talk about. I don't think that this could just be because I'm Southern. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, my grandma kept shit to herself. You know, there are certain things you share and there are certain things you don't. I don't think really... My diabetes or my asthma are things that I want to talk about all the time, and maybe that you maybe people who do talk about those things all the time are, but maybe that's all they've got to talk about. I don't know. It, it's just it makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, so that's why I'm eating raisins. I got a little bit of a sugar problem this evening, so bear with me a little bit. I uh, I ate too much junk food today, and not enough real food. Um. Pairings that I like, like I said, um, Harry and Draco, Harry and Hermione, Neville and Luna, I, I like them together. I like Harry and Neville together, but I rarely ever see it. Um, and normally, I like them when they're older together, when, when Neville's coming to his own and he's not... Um, you know, when when they're both men, and that that's when I like that. I don't like Ron with anybody. I, I really don't. Um, I just don't. I don't think he's, 
He's not some. Because the thing is, is when you put somebody in a relationship in any way, like even in the fictional situation, you know, as an author, when I put two characters together, it's. Uh, this is going to sound so weird, okay? It's okay. It's like saying, okay, I trust Harry with Hermione, or I trust Draco with Harry. I trust that these two characters can come together and be something special and take care of each other and be honorable. And in no situation do I think that Ron can be trusted with the emotional and physical welfare of another person. And that's what it means to be in a relationship. You're being tasked with the emotional and physical well-being of another human being. And I just don't think that Ron Weasley is capable of of that kind of responsibility. Um, So I don't like pairing him with anybody. Sometimes I do just to get him out of the way. In the first War Mages, you you get the impression that him and Hermione might get together. That's not actually going to happen. In Birth of the Serpent King, Harry and Hermione, not Harry and Hermione, Hermione and Ron are together in Birth of the Serpent King. But they're not going to last because, well, like I said, Ron's not capable of that. He's he's just not capable of, of being that. As he's written in canon, I mean, you know, you can change him around and make him something different and he works, but whatever. <coughs> so there's that. I, uh, I don't like Ron. I think he's disloyal. And there is nothing more unattractive than someone who's incapable of being loyal to a friend. It's terrible. Just terrible. I like Bill and Fleur together, ever how you say her name. I like Bill and Harry. I think I've hinted at that a little bit, but I've never actually written it. I've read a couple of stories, and I really enjoyed it. I... uh, I like Remus and Sirius together. I also like, and actually this is the only pairing I can do with Snape, I like Sirius and Severus together. I could not put him with anybody else. I don't read Harry, Severus. I, I, I just don't. I don't read it. I, um, I find that whole situation very uh, unappealing. And it's not just the age difference but it is the age difference. The age difference bothers me a lot. Uh, I run in terror of Sirius and Harry. That's just unacceptable, okay, on like 3,000 billion levels. It is just terribly unacceptable to me. To me personally, it's my personal opinion. Um, Snape in canon is in love with Lily Potter. The thought of him banging her son creeps me out. It creeps me out. It, no. I'm sorry, no. I I love the character of Blaze. I don't know how you say his last name, Zabini, Zabani, whatever. I love him. There's actually a really great story where Blaze does an amazing impression of Malcolm Tuck. Malcolm Tucker. Uh, I have it, uh, I wrecked it on uh, uh, Slash World. 
and uh, I will look it up so that I can talk about it because it's a great story. But I can I like Drake. Draco with Daphne um, Greengrass. I don't like him with Astoria, and I think it's just because I've written Astoria as a very young girl, as a child, and now I find it difficult to imagine her with with Draco as an adult. You know, it just kind of creeps me out. Uh, so there's that. I uh, I don't like Pansy Parkinson, and it probably is because of the scene in the last book when she suggests that they give that they sacrifice Harry to Voldemort. Um, it's so ugly. It's such an ugly moment for her character, and I can't get past it. It's it's very much like Snape for me. Um, I can't get past the way that Severus Snape emotionally abused Harry. It's disgusting. He's um, when people say they like Severus Snape, I think to myself, no, you like Alan Rickman, and I don't blame you. I like Alan Rickman. I don't like Snape, and he didn't die for love. He didn't. I found him there altogether. Okay, so. But I do enjoy Alan Rickman. Um, he's awesome. I, I can like Snape in fiction if he's rewritten when he's not a total motherfucker to Harry. Because... When you love someone the way he professed to love Lily, you want their happiness before your own. But that wasn't the case with Snape. His happiness meant more to him than Lily's. Otherwise, he would have been the very first to die in the defense of her child. And I've said it before. And that's the truth. That's the way I see it. I just don't buy it. That wasn't love. It just, it wasn't. If he had loved Lily, he would never have treated her child the way he did. Because he was terrible. He was abusive to Harry. What he did to Harry during his fifth year, no. I just, no. I don't buy it. Anyway, I I can rewrite Snape where he's redeemable, but I have to really work on it. And when I do, it can't, I can't make his love for Lily romantic. It has to be like a sisterly thing for me to to accept Snape. And, and then there have to be mistakes that were made. I have to work on redeeming him in my own eyes before I can write him that way, which is a lot of times why I sideline the character because I really – there are a lot of fans of Snape in, um, in the fandom and it's because I don't like to – 
alienate people in, in that particular way. I'm not above doing it in other ways for my own entertainment. I don't like to um, continuously bash a character that people, a lot of people really enjoy. Which is why I feel free to bash the shit out of Ron Weasley because no one seems to care if I bash the shit out of Ron Weasley in every single freaking um, story that I write. The song, the story I was talking about where Blaze is awesome and makes a stunning Malcolm Tucker is called We Are Young. And I cannot say the author's in name. If you go to Slash World and go to the search box and put We Are Young in the search box, it'll pop right up for you. It's a great story. It's 69,000 words. It's awesome. I really enjoy it. I think you will too. Blaze is amazing in that story. And there's also some really hot sex in it, too. Really hot sex. It's great. Fantastic. And Harry um, is terrible, and Draco is even worse. And they have this terrible, fucked-up relationship where where they fuck a lot and they ignore each other. And it's just amazing. Amazing. Um, you have to read it and um and just really enjoy it. It's it's an awesome story. But it's long, so don't start tonight if you if you have to go to bed. <coughs> I can read Hermione with one of the twins or even both the twins, to be perfectly honest. That sounds like fun. Be a Weasley sandwich, especially with those two Weasleys because they're cute. Um, I can read Hermione and Neville. I don't like Hermione and Draco, and I don't know why. I rarely ever read a pairing where Ginny is in a romance, you know, in the romance, because I don't like her. Um, I think she's a weak, um, badly written, two-dimensional self-insert, and I don't like her for that reason alone. Um, it's not even her character motivations, but she's really easy to tear apart and, and bash because she's so badly written. She, I mean, it's not bad. It's, uh, the thing is, is, I love the Harry Potter books. I really do. And so I hate to say that this character is badly written because I love the books. And as much as you can say about what J.K. Rowling left out of the Harry Potter books, she gave us a big, beautiful world and a huge fandom around it. And for that reason alone, you have to give her some props and some respect because she, you know, it's amazing what she accomplished with what she did and what she had. And so you have to accept that, that, you know, that she she gave us something awesome. And, yes, it's easy to find things um, lacking, things that you would like to have seen done or, or you wish you could have seen. And we are going to get three more movies, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's going to be a trilogy. I don't know how I feel about that. I think it could be interesting. Um, I definitely want more of, uh, of that world. I would love to have seen Harry Potter as, um, you know, as an adult working, you know, and doing his thing. That would have been fun. I, um, 
So, yeah. Anyways. Sorry. Mm. Night pairings that creep me out. Like I said, Voldemort and Harry, no. Uh, Snape and Harry, ugh, gross. Um, Sirius and Harry, oh my God, can we say a little incest, really? Gross. It, it, it just seems incestuous to me. I know that Sirius really isn't Harry's father, but come on, come on. Yuck. Okay, just yuck. I... I really... Here's the thing. Here's how to Harry Potter travels back in time. He goes back to the 70s when his parents are students at Hogwarts. How does that happen? It's because he doesn't have parents in the future. He's going to be back in time. He's going to see his father. He's going to see Sirius. No. No, it, it still creeps me out. Okay, so let's say that Harry travels back all the way to when Voldemort was still Tom Riddle. Why would he do this? There are a couple of reasons why he would do this. To change the path of Tom Riddle's life so he doesn't become the Dark Lord, right? So why would he do that? Because Riddle killed his parents in the future. So he's going to go back in time to prevent that. Now, what part of you thinks it's reasonable that a future time-traveling Harry Potter goes back in time and falls in love with the man that will grow up to murder his parents? Or did, in fact, murder his parents in, his, in, in the first timeline? That's just... No. Okay? No. I'll buy it for a fucking second. I just don't. I just don't buy it. You know, I actually buy it more if Harry goes back in time and adopts Riddle out of the um, orphanage so he doesn't grow up to be an asshole. I actually kind of appreciate that. There are so many different kinds of time travel that you can assume a couple of things. That one, when somebody travels back in time, they cannot change the event that makes them travel back in time. Or, when they travel back in time, they don't actually do anything to their own timeline. They end up creating a second or third or fourth or different timeline because the time stream splits. And then you have two parallel timelines going along and one where everything is fucked up and one where, you know, Harry fixes all the problems and this is the one that he ends up living in. Or 
hands up in a different dimension or, you know, because, you know, theoretically time travel is impossible. So they have all these different theories about how that would work <clears throat> or whatever. Me and my husband once had a six-hour debate on this. It was tedious. Math got involved. It was bad. It was really bad. My husband and I don't have arguments. We have um, discussions that sometimes last months. And he can, we can be literally going down the road in the car, and he'll bring up something we were discussing six months ago, like it was fresh, and I should be able to keep right up. And scarily enough, I, I usually totally can. So... <clears throat> One reason why I chose to do what I did with War Mages is that it wasn't Harry's decision to go back in time. And because it wasn't Harry's decision, the responsibility fell to the magical existence of the fates and poor crazy crazy Neville, and Harry Potter himself didn't actually travel back in time. His soul did because because of reasons. Um, and that's usually how it ends up happening in, in the Harry Potter fandom because, okay, so if Harry himself go back in time and he's a grown-up, he, you know, he, he rescues Harry because Harry needs rescuing. He really does. He needs rescuing from practically the moment his parents die until he kills Voldemort. Harry is a damsel in distress the entire fucking series. He definitely needs rescuing. Just totally rescued. Uh, I like those where where Harry goes back in time and saves himself because who the hell better, right? That's awesome. I uh, I don't know. I, I like the idea of magical time travel because you can kind of wave a hand and go, oh, fuck paradoxes, what? No, never mind. Because, it, you know, it happens. So let's talk about tropes that I really enjoy in the Harry Potter fandom that I really enjoy playing with. I love the nobility thing. If you missed that, I hope you didn't miss that because I tend to put it in all my shit. Because I love it. I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm American. I don't know. I really enjoy the idea of, of lords and earls and maybe even a duke here and there. It, I just, I, I, I really enjoy it. I do. I, uh, I love time travel. I love soulmates. I, I really love the concept of soulmates because it has so much potential and it's so lovely to imagine that magic has created someone who's perfect for you in every single way. It's very Mary Poppins. Um, speaking of Mary Poppins, I read a AU once where Harry, <laughs> when he got put in the tournament, he contacted uh, another school so he would have a backer because he couldn't be Hogwarts champion, so he needed to be somebody's champion. And Mary Poppins comes to uh, Hogwarts, and Dumbledore can't stand her. It's great. I wish I could remember what it was because I really enjoyed it. 
I really enjoyed it. I do enjoy the soulmates bonding thing. I, I really do. Um, I want to write one of those AUs where people have, like, their soulmate's name tattooed on their arm or they have the the countdown where they're counting out of the minutes until they meet their soulmate. I think I think that's a really cool concept. I see it in um, the Inception fandom a lot, and I've seen it in the Avengers fandom. I think that's really cool, and I would love to uh, to, to write that. I uh, the things that I I enjoy in Harry Potter. I like uh, helpful, vengeful, warlike goblins. I I like it when the house elves are are smart and sarcastic. I I love the high elf concept. I love the idea of of high elves. It would be amazing, you know. So I did write one. I have one started where where Harry is actually part high elf, and his mother uh, was pregnant when she married James Potter, and and James Potter adopted Harry to continue his family legacy. Um, so I have that story. It's on my website in Minion Central. You have to be a member, and you have to click on it and, and find it. I have a couple of hidden excerpts on my website for those of you who are unaware. I like it when um, I like it when uh, when Dumbledore is just evil. My favorite one of those would be Harry Potter and the, the Manipulator of Destiny, I believe it's called. Uh, it's on fanfiction.net. Shouldn't be a problem finding that. I really enjoy when um, Dumbledore is crazy, crazy. And Bob Min writes an awesome, crazy Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore is just totally, just totally nuts. You can find that in uh, Sunset Over Britain. That's a Harry Hermione story. And Dumbledore really is just crazy. I mean, he's just batshit in that story, and it's an awesome story. There are two stories in that. Um, Sunset Over Britain, maybe in Sunrise Over Britain, and they're written by Bob Min. Um, Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, I like, yeah, I like the evil or the mentally unstable, the crazy. I also like it when Dumbledore... Is neither. I like it when he recognizes that something's wrong and he helps Harry. I really enjoy that when when he's the mentor he's supposed to be, but never was. I really enjoy seeing that in, in fanfic because we didn't get it in in, um, in in canon. And here's the thing: I have no problems writing Dumbledore as good, crazy. Or bad. I can write him as any of it. Because his character is really ambiguous throughout the books. You can do a lot with Dumbledore's character. Um, so it's easy to... <coughs> to play with him. And someone's mentioning my dimensional... Uh, jumping story in the chat room. And I do have... that. That's another story on my site that's hidden away, and I think I have a smaller excerpt, maybe, in Evil All Today, I'm not sure, I'm totally not sure, uh, at this moment, and um, Harry jumps around from these different worlds, and he gets exposed to all these different versions of Albus Dumbledore, and to Draco, of course, and 
other people in that are in his life that he has because his world is everyone in his world is dead but him. So he's traveling through all these different dimensions and he's seeing all these different people and he's meeting various versions of, of Dumbledore. Um, the one that bowed down to pressure to save a few. The one that went a little crazy. The one that got his heart broken because he raised Harry and Harry died. And you see all of these um, different versions. Uh, and it's not finished yet. What, um, what I have online on my website, if you go into Minion Central, um, if you click on Works in Progress, at the very bottom you'll see a little picture of Minions. And if you click on that, it will take you to Minion Headquarters. And in Minion Headquarters you can find some, some, some presents. And I have three excerpts in there, two Harry Potter and one um, Stargate. And I have a whole bunch of icons you can download and play with. And the dimensional shift is the one where Harry is bouncing around from different world to different world. And he has an hour on each world, and he's looking for his soulmate. And he meets just... It's an emotional um, journey for Harry in, in many ways. And in many ways, it kind of helps heal him up a little bit. So when he finally does land in the dimension where his parents are living and he has um, brothers and sisters and Draco is there and, and, and Dumbledore has lived with the failure of their Harry Potter dying uh, for 15 years and, and now Dumbledore is face-to-face with a living Harry and uh, he's... Nothing like any of them expect. He's he spent two years at war. He led the light on his planet. He killed Voldemort in the end, and he's he's he, um, he's in many ways. I mean, well, he's a grown man with a man's experiences, and he's he's settled in this world where the war is is it's a war of attrition and um, backbiting and terrorism, and the Death Eaters have driven most of the population to Hogwarts in the surrounding area, and they all live there in, in fear of, of, of what's coming next. And um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, I think I need to add some more turns in there so you can see some different stuff. It would be really cool. My favorite scene in that particular story is when I have Harry meet Bane on, on a different world, and Bane's a centaur. I'm not sure how big of a role he had in the movies or whatever, but I don't know if you read the books, or if you, if you watched the movies and didn't read the books, you don't even know who Winky is, right? I mean, you just, you've missed a whole lot of, of the story if you just watch those cut-up movies. But um, Bane is a centaur, and he's, he's terrible to Harry in the books. He's, he's uh, suspicious and paranoid and vain and weird and just a real asshole. And uh, it's in, in my story, this version of Bane... Um, apologizes to Harry for how he treated his Harry because <laughs> he was an asshole to his Harry and his Harry is dead and it's Bane gives Harry the last of the magic that's on that on that world in that dimension and Bane dies 
And that is my favorite scene in the dimensional shift. And it takes place about halfway through what I've got posted. <clears throat> it's really, I, it's really, I was like, yeah. Sometimes when you're a writer and you uh, you write something, you think, oh, yeah, I nailed that. It That was good. And sometimes you think, to yourself, oh, that sucked. You know, but when I finished that scene with Bane in um, the dimensional shift, I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah, that rocked." Um, yeah, I was really proud of that. So, so it happens, <clears throat> and that's where you get what you get. And uh, so, the dimensional shift. I'm really looking forward to writing um, the one where Harry Potter is uh, the, the son of a high elf. I think it has a lot of potential to really mess up Dumbledore's plans. Because when Harry returns to Hogwarts, um, when the story opens, um, the Sorting Hat has, has refused to sort Harry because High Elves aren't allowed to go to Hogwarts. And he's figured out while he was sitting on Harry's head that he's, in fact, not entirely a wizard. And so the, the Phoenix goes to get Arir, and Arir comes to Hogwarts and collects his son, the son he didn't know he had, and um, he takes Harry back into um, the Elven realm, and Harry's there for a year. And when Harry comes back to Hogwarts, he comes with a um, a group of, of elves who are there to not only keep an eye on Harry, but to sort of educate everybody else about the elves, because the elves know that Voldemort is coming and it's going to be bad. And Arir knows that Voldemort intends to kill his son. And that's not on. And Voldemort's going to pick a fight. Voldemort is going to bring a knife to a gunfight. That's basically how that's going to work out. It's, <clears throat> he has no idea what he's about to stir up when he um, resurrects himself and gets himself into a new body and he encounters Harry Potter for the first time. And it won't happen for a long time in the, in the, in the, in the book. Harry will be 15 or 16 when it happens. And he's going to bring down the wrath of God or elves, <laughs> I guess elves, on himself because Harry might have been alone before, but... In that particular world, he's no longer alone, and he's the heir apparent to an elven king. And he's about to open up a ginormous can of whoop-ass. And I did cast Tom Hiddleston as his dad, because I think Tom Hiddleston is beautiful. (laughs) Who doesn't think he's beautiful, really? Because if you do, you need to get the fuck out of my chat room and get off my podcast and turn my shit off, because... Fucky, really? What? No. Tom Hiddleston's beautiful. That's a fucking minion truth. That's truth. There is a... Okay, people in the chat room, if you're in the chat room and you use a cuss word, there is censoring. I did not turn that shit on. I can't turn that shit off because I totally would because I don't believe in censoring language of that sort. I believe you should be able to use all the cuss words all the time. <clears throat> Tom 
Tom Hiddleston does make me a little breathless because he is so pretty, I have to say. I also cast him in my unspeakable plot, which is my which was my project for um, November, and I wrote a whole shitload on that, and people keep asking me about it, and I wish you would stop. I know you really enjoyed it, and I'm really proud that you did, and I'm really pleased, but every time somebody asks me about it, it stresses me out, and I don't want to work on it. And that sucks, but I really enjoyed that story. Um, this is also why I don't like to post works in progress, even though, <sighs> Thor help me, I'm I'm running a giant work in progress challenge site what the fuck was i thinking because i don't like people to start to ask me when's this going to happen when's this going to happen can we can we have this can we have that would you please do this would you do this would you no shut the fuck up shut the fuck up don't treat authors this way whether it's me or someone else I don't want to hear your whiny-ass shit. I'm going to go on record right now and just say that I think most authors don't want to hear your whiny-ass shit. Really. It's one thing to say, I love this, are we going to get some more? It's another thing to email me six times, put five comments on my site, If you're listening, you know who you are. I'm very angry with you. That's why I stopped responding to your bullshit. Although, considering the way you kept asking me, I'm not even sure you're reading my fucking responses to begin with, so kiss my ass. Anyways, the only thing worse is when assholes come to my site to ask me about people put stuff on rough trade in the past I don't keep up with these bitches I'm not going to search the internet for their shit for you because you don't know how to use Google fuck you fuck you I am so serious stop asking me okay so there's a lot of Harry Potter on rough trade for April this month it's pretty cool there's some pretty cool stuff there if you go to rough trade and you go down on the side you can you can click on Harry Potter, and there's a bunch of stories there, and uh, mine's among them. I am writing the second part of War Mages, and I already told you I had problems with it, but I'm going to work through it, and it'll be okay. It, I might not finish. I'm obviously not going to finish because there's no way in hell I can write 100K this month, and um, I do believe that the part two of War Mages will at least be 100,000 words, if not be a little bit more. Um, I tend to write Harry Potter big, and I don't know... It's easy to see how Deathly Hallows ended up being 300,000 words because there's just a lot to go on. There's just a lot to do when you write Harry Potter. There's there's a lot you have to, to put in and take care of and, and recognize and, and deal with. And um, it just, it it gets huge. It 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 gets really huge on you, which is why the unspeakable plot is so ginormous. When I first wrote that, it wasn't going to be nearly that big. And I'll tell you what, I have some writer regret, and this is my writer regret. I wish I had not made them so young. It's really irritating how young I made them, or going back into those young bodies. Um, but I did it, and now I'm stuck with it. And so, you know, and when you do that, when you write in public, the way people are on rough trade, you do end up kind of writing yourself in a situation that you might come to regret later. Um, not that I'm not afraid to change my shit because 
You can ask Chris, who's currently in the chat room. I will change some shit. Not in what? And have no fucks to give afterwards. But in order to change the unspeakable plot that much, I would have to rewrite fucking half of it. I'm not doing that shit. What I'm probably going to do is end it shortly, probably just before the end of their third year, and then pick it back up like, I don't know, when they're 16. (laughs) Because I will tell you right now, I have no interest whatsoever in writing sex for Harry and Hermione and Elsie's plot because they are in a a 13-year-old body. So I'm not interested in doing that. I'm really not. I think that kind of creeps me out. And that's why I want to move it because I am creeped out. Um, Yes, Azor, I caught-blocked myself. I totally did. But in the first time I've done that, I've, I do that all the time, and, it, and it's just not good for me. And I think one of the reasons why, um, when people write time travel thick for Harry Potter, they tend to go back to his third year. Because the third year is pivotal. It is such a huge turning point for Harry because... He gets his godfather. In canon, they lose Peter. Peter joins his master abroad, which brings into fourth year, and we get Voldemort resurrecting himself. And so the third year is so pivotal, and it's really, I mean, often either people talk about back to the point where Harry is a third year, so he can capture Peter and rescue Sirius because it goes to that thing where people always want to give Harry a shopping trip. Independent Harry stories automatically have a shopping trip. If you don't have a shopping trip when you're writing Independent Harry, shame on you. Harry needs stuff. Go buy him stuff. Let him buy stuff. He never had any stuff. That's just what he does. There has to be shopping. There has to be, because Harry needs stuff, doesn't he? Don't you think that? He's been deprived his whole life. He needs clothes. He needs all kinds of stuff. Okay? So, when you write Harry Potter time travel, you go. There, there are two places you go. You go to third year, so he can save Sirius. Or, you go, if you're writing Harry Draco, you go all the way back to first year, and when Draco offers Harry his hand... Harry takes it because that those are pivotal moments in in relationships and in the story and in the plot of the entire series versus the books. <coughs> and so you get that whole thing there. Um I would love to write a really... You know who writes the best? Oh, my God. I love this. What is that story where Harry goes on vacation? Make-A-Wish. If you've never read Make-A-Wish, you need to read Make-A-Wish. I forget who wrote it. 
Look it up. It's a gen fic. There's no pairing. It's Make-A-Wish. It's on fanfiction.net. Oh, my God, my fucking Internet died. What? Um, can someone tell me who fucking wrote that? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, here it is. Make-A-Wish. It's by Rorschach's Blot. Rorschach's Blot. Um, it's on fanfiction. .net and it's called Make-A-Wish. And this is actually, when I am sad, when I am in a bad mood, I will come read this, this fic. And I'm going to put this on my um, my pin board. You can see it there, too. And it is a gen fic, and Harry basically decides if he's going to die, and he believes he is. This is after um, fifth year. He believes he's going to die, and so he takes himself on vacation. And proceeds to have the funniest world vacation trip ever. He's just a guy on vacation. He becomes Mr. Black, and it is amazing. It is amazing. Rocks literally fall. It you got to read it. It I have laughed myself sick over this over, over the story and I read it multiple times and um it's 187,000 words and I don't recommend you start tonight or at night you should definitely um just wait. And he <laughs> Harry in this story, he has his shopping trip. He he goes on vacation. He kills some people. I got somebody texting me on my phone. It's amazing. I definitely recommend you read it. I haven't put it on uh, Slash World because it's not Slash. In fact, there's no romantic pairing at all. Um, My favorite character... In the story, uh, has to be Hench Girl. Awesome. Awesome. And, yes, rocks literally do fall in um, Make-A-Wish, and it is amazing who they fall on. It it made my day. It always makes my day. I read this fic when, like I said, when I'm sad, because it makes me happy. It's Hench Girl. Hench Girl, Yes. Amazing, great story. Um, Harry Potter is actually full of really awesome stories. I have a confession to make. I read the story, and I'm ashamed of myself a little. Um, okay, bear with me a minute. This is like this is like almost a confessional. I'm gonna have to take some some penance after this is over. It's Harry Ron, and it's called Sympathetic Magic. It, wait, it, it gets worse. There's Mel pregnant. Yeah, there there totally is. Harry gets pregnant. I I don't even know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I can't help myself. I read it. Um, it. I have no excuse. I can't. I I, I have no excuse. I'm gonna put the link in the chat room. It's called Sympathetic Magic. It's by, uh, uh, if the freaking link will ever work. It's by SheDoc, and it's a Harry Ron pairing, and it's got Mel pregnant, and it's just, 
I love it. I can't help myself. I don't know why. At least in this, Ron's not an asshole. Ron's not an asshole in this, and that makes it kind of unbelievable because Ron is an asshole. Anyway, I'm going to put this link up here because I can't not put the link up here. It's going, it's going in the chat room for those of you in the chat room. So, Link, I shared it. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's actually probably one of the first slash books I ever read in the fandom before I really developed my deep-seated hatred for Ron. So maybe that's why I can read it. I don't know. I don't know, and that's what it is. And um, it, it, it has all the cliches in it that you would expect. Uh, abused Harry. Um, can't fend for himself, Harry. Uh, there's, I think there's some soul mating. There's some soul bond. And um, and um, it, it's just they get married. They're they're super powerful. Um, they're twins. <laughs> so that's my confession. I don't know what I don't know what it is. It's the only one I've kept in my link list. It's the only one I've read that I I don't know. Everybody has everybody has a story that they're ashamed they like, and this is mine. I there's no affection on the author. I think she's great. It's just I hate Ron so much, and that's why I'm ashamed of myself, because I hate Ron. I hate him, but I read the story, which is probably a testament to the writer, that I can read this without any problems. That says a lot about how good the writer is at making me believe that Ron's capable of being something other than an asshole. So let's take that as it is. Lady Holder is at somebody else's house, and she's uh, texting me on my phone, I guess because she can't message me on the computer. Pretty funny. I really enjoy Shedock as a writer, and like I said, I enjoy this story in particular. And so it, it really is a testament to her ability as a writer that I can read this story and overlook how much I hate Ron, because um, I do. I do hate uh, Ron. Apparently, they got kicked off the chat room. I don't know why, dudes. Can you re? Um, just try re? Uh... Well, if you're not in the chat room, how are you listening to me? Doesn't make any sense. Anyways, <clears throat> okay. Um, I don't know where I was. I don't know where. Okay. Oh yeah, I was confessing to um, sympathetic magic. I I can't help myself. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, it's it's the writer, I guess, because um, I, um, I hate Ron. And um, I don't actually read a lot of male, male pregnancy either, and that's another issue. Because not only is it Harry Ron, but it's also male preg, and I don't read that as a rule. Um, there are very few that I read. I, I read one called Surrogate. It was in Stargate, and John ends up carrying um, 
baby or babies for Rodney who's been sterilized. And um, I I read that and I enjoyed that. That was, um, I think it's by Seeker Geek. And it was on one of the Big Bangs, I believe. So <clears throat> my favorite Harry Potter fix. Um, I'm going to have to say it. I, I really do uh, enjoy uh, That Sympathetic Magic by She-Doc. Um, I enjoy Make-A-Wish by Rorschach's Blot. I, I love Harry Potter and the Manipulator of Destiny, and that's written by Wheezy1, and it's on fanfiction.net. And if you go to my pin board, um, and I have a link on my website to Pinboard, and you click on my Harry Potter tag, you can find all the Harry Potters that I like to read. <clears throat> I also really enjoy uh, We Are Young. You can find that on my Pinboard or also on Flash World. I, as a rule, I tend to either read Harry Hermione or Harry Draco. Um, to be perfectly honest, I read more Harry Hermione than I do Harry Draco because Harry Hermione was my first pairing in Harry Potter and I really enjoy that pairing a lot, And which could be why I hate some Ron, Ron Weasley so much. He doesn't deserve either one of them. None, not a... None. I actually don't have a lot on my Harry Potter tag for Pinboard. I used to have more on Delicious, but me and Delicious parted ways when Delicious got bought by Yahoo, maybe. Whoever fucking bought it and pissed me off. Couldn't do anything I wanted. My little thingy on my browser stopped working. Anyways, if I recommend any story to read in the Harry Hermione fandom, it would be Harry Potter and the Manipulator of Destiny. But, um, and if I'm recommending Harry Draco, go to Slash World and click on the Harry Draco tag, and you will see all of my um, recs in that particular pairing. I, and of course, wrecks everybody else. That's something else people don't seem to realize. I'm not the only person who wrecks stories on Slash World. So sometimes, and Slash World is connected to my Twitter. So it's on my Twitter, it's on my Facebook. So sometimes when you see posts from Slash World, it's not actually me posting them. So I don't actually know and can't answer your questions when you ask me questions on Twitter about something or you ask me a question on um, Facebook about something that's been put on Slash World, I oftentimes have literally no fucking idea what you're talking about because there are like 30 people on Slash World who wreck. And um, <clears throat> I don't control their content. The only thing I do control is um, making them warn for rape and making them... Um, post only once a day, and that is the extent of my control over Slash World. Whatever they post, they post. Whatever they wreck, they wreck. It's no reflection on my own taste, just on theirs. So, so do keep that in mind. 
I Someone's suggesting we talk about how much I dislike Molly, or how much she dislikes Molly. I don't like Molly Weasley. I think she's she's terrible. She's um, manipulative. She's more manipulative, I think, than even Dumbledore in canon. She is just she's just terrible. She's just terrible. She's overbearing. She's um, Okay, here's the thing. Her children disappear in the middle of the night and steal their father's flying car and fly it all over London to Surrey, wherever the hell they are, to get Harry. They bring him back, tell him he's been, had to rescue him, and there were bars on his window. And she never asked a single fucking question. Not one. She's controlling she's manipulative and her affection is transitory and honestly I didn't have an opinion about Molly until the fourth book when she sent Hermione that terrible letter And I thought to myself, this is a grown woman berating a 15-year-old girl and basically calling her a slut. And I am sorry, but I have a real problem with that. I have a huge, huge problem with that. I find her behavior intolerable. And, of course, obviously, so do most of her children since they leave as quickly as possible. It's, I don't know, I just don't think she's a very good mother. I don't think she's, um, she doesn't pay attention. How can she have Harry in her house and, and not realize that he's, not what he should be. I don't know. I just, I don't like her. I don't like her. Maybe it's a reflection about how much I don't like Jenny, or maybe it's a combination of the two, but I don't like her, and um, I find her insincere and And just terrible. And I don't know, just and just not a very good mother at all. And the way she treats Bill's wife and the way she allows Jenny to treat Bill's wife is terrible. I always felt like okay, in the book Molly kills Bella Beltrix. I always felt like that should have been Neville's moment. 
I think it should have been Neville's, and um, that's just my opinion. I even Hermione had more of a grudge <laughs> against Bellatrix than Molly did. Uh, I don't know. To, to give her that moment of vindication is kind of, I don't know, weak, I think. I don't like it. I think Neville, or even Luna would have been more interesting. You're right, absolutely. But it's just a thing. Um, and so she does have that big moment in the, in the last book. But uh, I always felt like it should be Neville who took Bella out. Or Harry, because Bella did kill Sirius. Molly wasn't a good mother, and she was just generally not a particularly nice person, and she was abusive emotionally and verbally. And it's really no wonder, it really is no wonder that uh, Bill and Charlie ran like their asses were on fire the moment they could and literally left the country to avoid her. Uh, I uh, I like stories where Harry is independent. I like stories with time travel, obviously, and soulmates, obviously. Um, I tend to write those. I like uh, the nobility. I like um, powerful Harry because they tell that's canon. I mean, when they talk about Voldemort being the most powerful wizard alive, they turn right around and say that Harry is his equal. Harry is his equal. So, it's irritating that she said that. The author says that Harry is Voldemort's equal. And then turns around and makes him not his equal. It's It's irritating. Lady Holder just said on my chat, on my phone, that Harry was Voldemort's equal at 15 months old. That uh, Harry was Voldemort's equal when he was 15 months old. And that's interesting because it brings to mind the fact that Maybe it wasn't so much Voldemort being disembodied that made him um, uh, take so long to develop enough where he could come back and be resurrected, but that when he struck Harry with that curse and it backfired because of whatever Lily Potter did, Voldemort was reduced to Harry's equal. And Harry was a baby. And so Voldemort was only allowed to gain in power throughout Harry growing up as Harry did. So, of course, he was weak. And then as Harry got older, he got stronger and stronger and stronger. So by the time Harry's fourth year comes along, and if you think about it, at the end of Harry's third year, he was powerful enough to cast a Patronus that drove 
a hundred dementors away. Then, in the next year, Voldemort is resurrected. So you have Harry growing up and coming into his magical ability and his mortal enemy and his faded equal keeping up with him. Now, that all makes perfect sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is that if Harry was Tom Riddle's equal, then why? Riddle was smart. He was head boy. He was he was smart as Hermione. So why wasn't Harry equal in that way? And I think it has to be because he wasn't allowed to be equal in that way. And that comes back into the whole Dumbledore setting him up to murder himself um, and not learning enough to protect himself. Because basically what we're told at the end of Book 7 is that Dumbledore knew all along that Harry had to die in order for Voldemort to be defeated. And therefore, there was no reason whatsoever to train Harry or to teach Harry or to show Harry anything because he was, in Dumbledore's mind, a living, willing, walking dead man from the time he was 15 months old. So the question becomes... Well, there's, there's, there's no question. There's no question. My headcanon says that something or someone interfered with the intellectual abilities that Harry should have had, whether it was the Dursleys or whether it was Dumbledore. And so when Dumbledore Dumbledore arranged it so Harry wouldn't have the initiative wouldn't have the desire to educate himself, would um, treat the magical world as something precious that had to be saved even at the cost of his own life. And then Harry committed suicide. The first time I said this to my sister, she was like, no, that's not what happened. I said, wait, that is exactly what happened. Harry was led down the garden path straight into what amounted to a ritual suicide. That's what happened. He was abused, mistreated, lied to, ignored, habitually put in danger and nearly murdered from his first year all the way through to his sixth year. He was physically assaulted, mentally assaulted, raised by a couple of muggles who hated his guts for existing. 
And then in the end, he was told the only way he could save everyone would be if he let Voldemort kill him. So he did. And that is suicide. You know what else I love? Those fics where he um, dies and he goes up to heaven or wherever it is and his reaper, it's a challenge. And a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of people did it. They did, they did this challenge, Reptilia's challenge maybe. And so he gets up to heaven or wherever it is and he's talking to his, um, his grim reaper and his reaper is pissed because... He's died like 5,000 times, or ever how many times he's died. The author gets to choose how many times he's died, right? And it's because, you know, Riddle kills him in the first year, and the snake eats him in the second year, and the dragon eats him in the fourth year, and Ron killed him by accident, and Jenny overdosed him on potions and killed him. And he's died like 15, 20 billion times, whatever, ever how many times. And she's all pissed because she's let, you know, he's let, Dumbledore manipulate him into dying all these millions of times, and um, it's just great fun. And there's a whole bunch of the stories like that, and I, I really enjoy that that whole thing where he gets to heaven and he realizes that everybody fucked him, everybody. I mean, like nobody was immune to this, and that's pretty funny. I really enjoy that. Lady Holder is on the phone. I'm going to put her on the air. <laughs> yeah, what amazing. you doing? I, I'm sitting here. Um, looking over Barb's shoulder, she's having a, a not-so-great time because she keeps wanting to comment and, and the system's not letting her. But we're, we're listening to this off and on um, live, and, you know, it's it's great. It's great. That's great. She's just playing with it uh, right now because I'm listening to you. But what what I was thinking is, as, you know, um, you were commenting that Riddle um, – the prophecy that Riddle buys into sees Harry as his equal at 15 months old. You know, um, it's not until he's 15 years old and puberty kicks in that he's deemed either mature enough by magic to be able to do um, to, to do battle officially, or um, he's fucked up enough with hormones and, and his whole uh, life to be on a level playing field. Because it's not like Riddle is all that sane. No, he's not. And the fact of the matter is is that Harry Potter really isn't all that mentally sound either. Nope. No, he's really not. He's not allowed to be. I mean... Um, the, the whole thing with... Um, there's a couple of different stories I've read where somebody goes and looks at Harry's core and sees what amounts to bindings. And I, I think you touched on it at least once, and I know a couple other people have. And it's, it's you know good stories when it's done right. But some of the bindings, they kind of remind me of... Um, there's a very classic story about... Uh, people who they've all been given handicaps, um, mm-hmm. something for Agamemnon or some crack. I don't remember the story, but it's, it's everybody's given a, a handicap. And Harry's handicap is he's been crippled because he doesn't have that ambition. He wants to fly. 
He wants to have fun. That's his, his major goal for a long time. Well, what's interesting about mm-hmm. Harry is that he wasn't allowed to have fun before. So he gets to Hogwarts mm-hmm. and he has all this freedom from his aunt for the first time ever. And it's as, as far as he can remember. And he's mm-hmm. he's just, he's he, let, he lets go a little bit, you know. And it kind of happens like when you're in college for the first time and you're not under that yoke anymore. And so you just kind of go buck wild. You go a little crazy. Not yeah, that I did, and, Mom, if you're listening. Basic, no. basic, wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> basic and, and Ace I was perfect in college. I, I did nothing it. wrong. Yeah. I, I was I was perfect during those six months. It was after that all bets were off. Um, what I was thinking is also for the four houses, Hufflepuff taught um, constancy and dependency and the being the pillar that everybody um, depended on. And Dumbles wouldn't want him in there because he would discover an inner strength. Ravenclaw taught to rely on your mind, to use your, your, your skills to be um, smart. And, again, Dumbledore wouldn't want him in there. knowledge. No. Right. Because God forbid Harry Potter Slytherin, <laughs> Yeah. Slytherin, okay, would have taught him to be sly and to be um, cunning and to think outside of and whatever Maybe have a healthy sense that, of paranoia. Come on. Uh, um, (laughs) Self-preservation would have been helpful, too. Lots of it. The boy missed that particular lesson several times. Um, But, you know, Gryffindor was absolutely perfect for, you know, raising up a disposable tool because blind courage and the ability to leap before you look was at the time of, you know, Harry Potter, that was one of those things that Gryffindor was great at. And the fact that Neville, who frankly is probably the classic Hufflepuff of the group, got into um, Gryffindor was, I think, more because the sorting hat said fuck you than anything else because it was going back to the, the original meaning of the Gryffindors, which are the heart and the, the um, spine of everybody and the indomitable will to succeed because, I'm sorry, what person looked at the kid that Neville was with a remembrall at the first flying lesson and then seven years later has a sword in his hand and is making sushi out of a steak? A snake, I should say. Well, I think that the hat always knew that Neville was brave. And, in fact, Neville was brave. He was braver than most of the um, children that were sorted with him because – Mm-hmm. Neville came to Hogwarts to believe that he was practically a squib, but he came anyway. Yep. And he sat down on that stool anyway, despite the fact that he didn't believe he belonged there. And that's incredibly brave. He got on the train. He stayed on the train, and he went to school, and he sat down on the stool, and he got he, he got himself sorted in the Gryffindor, just like his parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he... You see it. And, you know, the fact of the matter is is that in many ways Neville is, is, is Harry's um, is mirror. Like, you know, Neville grew up with magic. Harry did not. Neville grew up with family. You can say that basically Harry did not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Neville grew up sort of, I don't know, coddled maybe, wrapped in bubble wrap because his grandmother feared losing him, even if she did let his, his psycho uncle, uncle climb out a window. window. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to, there's a great story where after that happens, Augusta almost kills that man. Like, she, like, you know, um, breaks their bone his body and sends him to St. Mungo's. That would be awesome. That that should definitely happen. Yes, and have him be wrapped in muggle plaster so he has to heal the long way around. The long way. Yeah. Like, eight months from now, he'll come out of the plaster. But what it, uh... Yes. But Neville is incredibly brave. I mean, he's uh-huh. he's come to Hogwarts when he doesn't believe he belongs, when he didn't even think he would get invited. But he comes anyway, and I think that's that's a that's a mark of his character that goes beyond anything that mm-hmm. he else we see. Because bravery is not an absence of fear. Bravery it's is moving overcoming through the fear that, that you fear. Have. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's moving through it, coming over it, and, and conquering it, and that's bravery. Um, the absence mm-hmm. of bravery, I mean, the absence of fear is actually, is actually sociopathology. <laughs> oh, we got a couple of those running around Hogwarts. One of them the, 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 yeah, the bearded the fucker in the office. Is, if, you, if you don't fear, if you don't... Um, Because fear is is, is 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 integral to your human existence, and if you don't have the ability to to fear, then um, you're not quite human. Oh, it's a basic. It's a basic instinct. Fight or it's flight. Awful, yeah. I love Harvest Adams. Oh my God, I love that story. There is a person in the chat room talking about the Harry Potter Adams family crossover, and it's called Harvest Adams. <laughs> it is fucking fantastic. Harry is um, cross-dressing in this in this thing. He runs around in a dress all the time, and Harry actually kills the Dursleys in the front of the story. And I'm not giving it away because it literally happens in the first paragraph of the story, and um. Morticia comes along, and she uh, thinks he's adorable, covered in blood, and thinks he's amazing. So she takes him home with her, and Dumbledore is furious because the Adams are basically a dark family, and um, it's amazing. And they all get wands, and Pugsley accidentally uses the killing curse on purpose. Uh, it's it's just it's. It's you fucking know, the, fantastic. The, the you have is, to read Harvest Adams and the Sorcerer's Stone. It is um, it is great. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. Here, let me click on this link. Okay, well, that'll be interesting. I definitely don't want to read that. So it's, somebody post <laughs> I can't that link where I can, if you can go, get at it. If you go to fan fiction, if you go to Google and you put in Harvest Adams, it's H-A-R-V-E-S-T-E, Adams with two Ds, A-D-D-A-M-S, and the Sorcerer's Stone. You put that in Google. It's going to pop right up for you. And um, it's amazing. There, it's a series, and it it's really fantastic. I I, I really enjoy it. And the other Adam and cover Barbara that I really enjoy up, apparently. is Sherlock Holmes. It's just Sherlock and Adams. And John Watson is actually a member of the Adams family, and it is amazing. And when Sherlock finds out that, that he can actually open up 
John and looking his, oh, yeah, inside. Oh, yeah, I read that one. Oh, oh, yeah, I've read that one. It is great. It is fantastic. And John's like, okay, Sherlock fine, is whatever. Mildly cre- yeah. yeah, Sherlock's mildly creeped out for a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden it's like, experiment. <laughs> Can I open yeah. up your stomach? Never. Would you be okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And all drunk, so um, please don't disconnect and leave everything lie. <laughs> No, for real, yeah. right? But um, the Harry <laughs> Potter fandom has a lots of opportunities for for crossover. I I read an awesome crossover where Harry Potter was punished for the Ministry of Magic when he used um, the spell to get rid of the Dementor before fifth year, and they threw him through the veil, which actually turned out to be part of the Stargate system, <laughs> and he ended up on a planet in the Pegasus Galaxy and hooked up with Ronan. Oh, that's that's fantastic! Um, it that was. It really was. It, it was. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I I heard, but have not seen that there's a really great crossover with Stargate and Harry Potter, where Harry is actually John Shepard. I've seen that one. I, I've read parts of that one, and it actually works considering the wild hair and the eyes. Um, there's one that I remember reading where. Uh, it's canon all the way through. You get to the end. The, uh, Harry never marries Jenny. Um, but the, the people in charge are demanding that Harry be held accountable for what was done in the war because he didn't finish it faster. And people were, were angry because, you know, they had suffered. And imagine my hand to my forehead and, and doing a, a fake swoon because they suffered and um harry basically said fuck y'all and they kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and he finally said fine okay we'll hash this out and so he sat down uh i think with the 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 elves and he one one by one everybody walked in and he paid them you know, what their suffering was worth. And it was a horrific testament on how the the um, magical world saw Harry. And you kind of touch on it in one of those where you have Harry getting a letter from somebody about why doesn't he finish this nasty war before it affects decent people? You know, and right, all I can think of was that the assumption that there is the assumption that it's Harry's problem and that it's Harry's yeah. war and that he needs to fucking finish it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, you know, as... Cause I, I mean, I read the, the Harry Potter books. I devoured them in, you know, massive gulps when, when I got them. But as I've gotten older and I've, I've, you know, read more of them and thought over them and, you know, frankly, um, 40 is, is knocking very hard on my door at this point... And Barb is laughing at me because she's leaving 60 behind like fine wine. Um, <laughs> wave, wave, wave. Um, it's, it's, it's the, the realization that um, the whole process for Harry, the whole, the whole thing is, I don't think J.K. Rowling knew what she was writing. Okay. Oh, but that's the same um, woman who did. implied that she didn't think Harry Potter was an abused child. Yeah, I know. She, she asked said she that in an interview once. 
don't know yeah. what she was drinking, but she should have shared it with the rest of us. No shit. Um, it, it was very, you know, it's very much so as I look at it now because you see it in the emotional manipulations and the, the overt and covert um, screwing with them because, you know, he goes to Hogwarts. He, for the first time in his life, supposedly has a culture that is there to help him to, to be there for him that is celebrating Harry. Okay, and yet when he tells people that his scar hurts because every time Quirrell turns around, he gets a face full of Dark Lord, all right, and it's it's giving him. Oh, pause. Um, this makes the Weasley yeah. characters easily the, the Weasley twins easily the best characters in the Harry Potter series because if you've read the book, and I'm not sure if it happens in the movie. Fred and George take turns lobbying <laughs> snowballs at the back of Quirrell's head, which means they repeatedly hit the Dark Lord in the face with snowballs when they were 13. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, 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 if magic was giving out metaphorical cojones, the twins had massive sets. <laughs> the people in the chat room want to know what that story was called about Harry paying people back for what they suffered. I don't remember the name of it. Um, I don't even remember where I found it. It's it's one of those where I would go, I'll go looking for it to see if I can find it again. Um, but it is it is a very painful story to read. Um. Because he's the the person he pays, the one we walk in with is Madame Malkin, who, as far as I know, the only thing she got affected by was some loss of business. All right, they the the Death Eaters never really threatened her, never really hurt her. All right, and and that's a point. I mean, for all the fact that um, Diagon Alley was economically affected, um, for the most part, they left them alone. They left the merchants alone because they had a shop too, you know, and it would, it, it, it just, it's amazing what they, what they did and didn't do, you know, um, there's, who has it, uh, I don't remember the name. Um, I think it's it's a a comment on the difference between modern day what Harry walks into uh, magical Britain having seen, even if it's just little bits here and there. And oh, that is a comment. Why the hell didn't he get culture shock? Do you notice that when the, in the movie? I mean, I don't know how much of the movie you said that you've seen. I don't know which which scene. But Thirty minutes. You know how to write. I, I got to the part where they sorted Harry, and then I stopped watching it. Oh, you never got to see him write with a quill. He knew how to write with a quill right off. Okay, well, I see, know I didn't book, know how to do that. In the books, I think that he plays with it that August, but in the movie, you get the impression that Harry actually goes to school on July 31st. 
Well, he actually uh-huh. goes to school on September 1st, and he has to go back to the Dursleys' house in between his shopping mm-hmm. trip and going to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. which is how he learned, which is how he read all the stuff about the magical world and how he named Hedwig, uh-huh. who was a yep. witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, a great many things that, yeah, the, the, the movies uh, glossed over, but they also, I mean, you've got some very pretty visuals. And, you know, we've got Professor Kitty who, you know, um, is, is, you know, I like all to that watch and, and the Quidditch stuff. Are, I watched the Quidditch match is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Quidditch is, is the bomb. By the way, um, for those of you who don't know, I live out in Arizona. ASU, one of the local colleges out here, has a Quidditch team. <laughs> okay. Do they play small Quidditch? Play, they, I, read, I read that in the thick, thick ones. Um, the, 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 uh, the snitch is a person in a yellow outfit, and they go screaming <laughs> around campus. Okay. The, this thing is so huge that, that the, the snitch will go, I mean, wherever they're playing, he, he or she will go in and out and around, and you think some of the, the fits that, that the, the movie Quidditch gave were interesting? Put legs on one of those things. It, it gets even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, apparently our Quidditch team is quite good. But I, I've yet to go to a match. Okay. I really want to one of these years. But, uh, yeah, it's... That's hilarious. Yeah. Barb, Barb and I will, will plan on going one of these years. Uh, you know, that's... <laughs> you know, talk about how things affect and, and grow. Um, the The whole thing with Harry and how he grows up and the fact that he's even strong enough to contemplate what he did at the end, you know, the, the offering up of his life. He was raised to be disposable and to he not was. value his own life. We got about nine and minutes And Barb is agreeing with me, too. That's a, One more okay. thing on that final scene. When I've seen um, this scene on YouTube, and I read it in the book, um, when... Mm-hmm. Harry tells Ron and Hermione that he's going to go. He's going to surrender himself to Voldemort. And Hermione says the words, I'll go with you. It made the epilogue impossible. In what world does a woman offer Mm -hmm. to sacrifice herself with a man, and then turn mm-hmm. around and marry an idiot like Ron Weasley. She just said, in that moment, whether J.K. Rowling meant to do it or not, she said that Harry was the love of Hermione's life. Mm-hmm. She would rather die with him than live without him. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you. Yeah. And Hermione was more than smart enough to know exactly what she was going in for. 
All right. It's not like they were hiding it at that point. And, you know, here's something that, that always did get me is that, and, you know, I don't know if it's something we never saw or what have you, but they had a year where they didn't have the manipulations of, you know, the Order of the Phoenix or Molly or, you know, Dumbledore, and they stayed brainwashed for the most part. You know, and that's, that's I want to say in the chat room that the um, I'll go with you line isn't in the book. I read that, I, I've, I've read the book exactly once because, like I said, I was really disappointed in it. I um, think my I think my version of it's still all nice and, and neat and pretty, and I don't even think the spine is cracked. And if my sister hears that, I'll no, neither is mine. I read it so freaking fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't really interested in, in um, reading it after getting flamingly pissed off. I think it was halfway through the half-blood print. So, you know, my reaction to um, to that pretty much, I mean, I, I think that's where I was starting to clue into exactly how bad off Harry was um, and how much he was being screwed with. But... Yeah, it was it was a it was not a good time for him. Um, something that that I wasn't able to talk about because we've lost the connectivity at the time. Molly Weasley is she she drove off what See? four out of her seven <laughs> children, eight children? Seven. There were seven. Yeah. Uh, the six. Let's see. Uh, Bill, Charlie, There's the twins, Pursley. Per, yeah, so, okay. So um, Bill, Charlie, Because Jenny and is the, the seventh child of the seventh daughter. Yes. Um, That's brought up sometime during, I think, maybe the book two. I don't know. Maybe book three. That's lovely. Yeah. But so four, four out of the seven children have honor. Yes. They know what it actually means and they and they actually live by it. Um, even if the twins are the most horrific pranksters on the planet Earth, they have their own brand of honor. They're, they're kind of terrible. And A.M. is talking about how that Harry didn't speak to him, her Hermione and Ron um, in the book. And she's right. I just looked in um, my book because uh, I couldn't remember. Oh. I only read it once. I've seen that scene in the movie like 3,000 billion times because it's always in the Harry Hermione um, mm-hmm. videos mm-hmm. on YouTube. Well, that may, that I, may uh, be the only way they would have been able to sell it. Because it's, what's your, what it's works a pivotal in the book, moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the books, it's hard to justify how yep. either Harry or Hermione can be friends with Ron. Mm-hmm. Because entitled, he's lazy, he's coddled by his mother, he is bitter, he's jealous, mm-hmm. and he's terribly disloyal. And that's mm-hmm. what it comes back down to. It, you can't trust Ron. You cannot trust him. Mm-mm. The reader knows that. And so when you see them taking him back into their friendship again and again and again, it's infuriating. Because you know you can't, like, are a lovely you know thing. he's not to be trusted, that he's going to turn on them at the least. You just imagine married to a man 
who will leave at the yeah. first sign of trouble? You know, it's it's the echoing back to the same thing with the marauders, only there were only three this time instead of four. And You know, unless, of course, you count um, Neville as the fourth. Um, so you have uh, Harry taking James's place, um, Hermione taking um, Sirius's place, except for not so much mischief. Uh, no, Neville having I don't agree with Remus's that. I think place. Hermione's Remus. I think Hermione's okay. Remus. Okay. okay. And well, Ron's definitely work too, but, you know, Peter. Peter. Yeah. Ron is definitely Peter. And, yeah, and so you have that that vile character who is is you know worming his way in and in and in and you know eventually will do something and you know i what do you bet that ron is the second layer plan where if harry couldn't commit suicide ron was there to kill him Because I totally buy that. It would be Head cannon accepted. <laughs> well, I kind of always thought that, in many ways, Neville would be the serious of the um, of the group, and it's because although their family situations are very different, because his grandmother was. Um, in the light, she wasn't a dark witch, but she was a very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Which, and um, she grew up, and Neville grew up thinking he was inferior. Yep. And Sirius did too. Yep. Well, Bergia was not a good woman. And her. her um, no. But I really enjoy making her um, mean in a different way. I, uh, I have um, this revenge story that I put on Evil Author Day where Harry is pissed and kind of dark and mean-spirited and has been banging every witch he could get his hands on um, because Jenny potioned him and he can't divorce her. And Harry and Hermione are going to go back in time and fuck everybody's shit up. And Sirius' mother um, was cursed, and so that's why she's such an asshole. And uh, Harry freed her portrait, and the portrait is just the meanest thing ever. But she's not cursed anymore. She's just still mean, but it's a different kind of mean. Okay, I don't know if it's a 90-second mark. Okay. Yeah, it, it, well, Bergia is, is definitely one of the more interesting characters because we never see anything of her beyond the Stark raving that portrait. And, you know, to, to for, for Sirius to have grown up with any sort of honor, somebody had to have a hand in it. And I wonder where it came from because his family sure as hell didn't have it. But it came so, from you know, Potter's and it came from Potter family. Had to. Had to. And, yeah. But um, it's fun to make her mean a different way because you can play with her because we didn't get to see a lot of her. Um, right. We got to go. I'll, I'll we, got, just, you know, we got 49 okay. seconds and going. Um I just I'm I'm hoping that you finish that particular one, just so you know. Oh, eventually, eventually. Good. I okay. will see you bitches later. We'll be on next week talking about something. I don't know what the fuck it's gonna be. Have a good evening. Shut up and talk to you later.
500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Mitsubishi during May Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win $5,000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on approved credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. Can't wait for summer? Old Navy's huge summer sale starts now. All jeans, all tees, all dresses, and all shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Shorts from $12 for adults, $7 for kids. Buy online and pick up in-store for free today. All jeans, tees, dresses, and shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 5-6 to 5 12. Excludes in-store clearance. Active, licensed, men's packaged, and flag tees.